What's up everyone? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Wherever you are in the world, welcome back to the Lost in Living podcast. Where we talk about mental health in its many forms, ways to potentially deal with it and the struggles people might have in a bid to potentially put light on the darker topics and help people feel less alone. We also talk about what lost in living is to me, and that's really just enjoying every day to its fullest. So I'll talk story between each episode about things I've been doing in the last two weeks while getting lost in living. Now before we kick on, I will say that everything I talk about is basically based on my own experiences and my own opinions. I don't represent anyone except for myself. Now with all that out of the way... Welcome to the next episode of the Lost in Living podcast. Here we are, episode 10. The evolution of the Lost in Living podcast has been amazing. I can't thank all you guys enough. I did not expect when starting this podcast to literally be listened all over the world and to get the feedback I have. Um, A lot of people have been telling me how motivating it is and how I've helped them with certain topics like like the tough stuff about suicide, self-harm, or starting to get and building confidence in ourselves. It's, it's, I feel blessed. It's been amazing. I've spoken to some amazing people, and I truly am just getting started. We've got our first sponsor on board, Goodrays, who are just amazing people, and we even had a chat to them, so that was cool to share. But now, 10 episodes in, we're kind of making a few changes. At the start of each episode, I used to kind of read a blog about the message that I was trying to portray that week or something I thought would be beneficial or helpful for people to hear. And every blog is posted on my website, um, www.boardiesandbeanies.com, in the blog section of the page. So that's another way for people to interact with the podcast or, you know, some people don't want to listen and they just want to read so they could head it over and read the blog but as the podcast is evolving so is the blog and now I have the absolute pleasure of getting someone to write for the blog an amazing individual that knows me better than anyone my gorgeous partner the doctor with the PhD in immunology she'll be taking over the blog and we'll drop bits and pieces from that but that's going to drop every Friday after the podcast has been released So what does that mean for the Lost and Living podcast? That means for here on out, for the foreseeable future, literally all my focus will be on my interviews because I feel like the amazing people that I'm talking to have an amazing message by themselves. So without it getting misconstrued between my message at the start and their message during an interview, we're going to focus solely on the interview with these amazing people and their ability to motivate and inspire people. You know, I'll talk a little bit before each episode and introduce them, but no more blog talk, no more, you know, of the, for lack of a better word, script. And then I'll still talk about my exploration of wherever I am in the world. So that's the update for the Lost and Living podcast. And I can't wait to share with you guys today's amazing guest, just like every other week for the last 10 episodes or i think we started the guests at episode three so seven episodes anyway everyone i talk to is an absolute legend and we're truly just getting started so of course this week is no exception i've been blessed while i'm over in the uk 
uh, with the ability to explore this amazing part of the world, North Yorkshire and parts of Europe, which in its own right is a blessing. But then add to that the people that I've been meeting along the way. And, you know, I, I, I'm beyond blessed. It's, it's phenomenal. Today's guest is one of those people. Now, it's no secret that I absolutely love the surf culture, everything about it. I love the water. I love the, the art of surfing. I love the people. It's just an amazing, an amazing way of life. And sure, it's not all pros. There are cons and there is a bad side to it. But, but we'll get into that in this week's interview. But it's been absolutely amazing to you know, explore a part of the world that I was never going to. It was too far away. But not only that, like if you, you're an Australian, you think about exploring the UK, mostly you just think about London. You don't think about the North, North Yorkshire. That's not like something that people talk about exploring. And I'm here to tell you, man, everyone needs to check out the North. It's, it's an amazing part of the world. I haven't sussed the South yet. I can't wait to go down and do that. And I'm sure it's lovely down there too, you know. Cornwall, Devon, it's literally got my name written all over it, so I can't wait to go down there. But North Yorkshire is like no other part of the world I've been to. And I've like I've been to Hawaii, Bali, Maldives, Fiji, like I've traveled parts of Oz, just I've been places, yeah, they're all similar. But just North Yorkshire is extremely unique. And not to mention too, the beautiful parts of EU I've traveled in Italy, France, and the Netherlands, and I'm sure I'm going to see many more amazing places, but North Yorkshire is still very unique, and what makes it unique isn't the old-style villages or the, the, the landscape or the weather or anything, it's the people. My personal experience, I've never met a friendlier bunch of people. Everyone here is very welcoming, you know, very polite, they smile a lot, it's... It's like there's no ego, which to me was the biggest part of the surf culture here, which in itself was a massive surprise. I didn't think there was a surf culture in the UK as a whole, especially not the North. But there is, and it's absolutely beautiful. Like there's no, there's no competitiveness. It's just everyone wants to be in the water having a good time. It's, it's amazing. I love it. And that is how I met this week's guest. We're both people that came from different parts of the world. He's from South Africa. You know, I'm from Australia. Both surfing places. Surf, there's a massive surf culture in both these places. And I think with that surf culture or the expectation of the surf culture be becomes egotistic at some point. I'm not saying everywhere. But what I am saying is North Yorkshire is very different. All right, it's cold. Yes, very cold. The water is extremely cold, but it's extremely welcoming at the same time. And, you know, parts of Oz and I'm sure parts of South Africa too, there's a bit more of a, a pecking order in the water, a bit more locals only type vibe at some places. And it can become intimidating, especially for someone traveling. Whereas today's guest and myself both agreed that we have not experienced that yet in the UK, which is absolutely beautiful. And it was actually in a surf shop that we met. So... I was in the surf shop um, looking for some Patagonia t-shirts because <laughs> I'm Australian, I guess. Love a bit of Patagonia. If they want to sponsor the podcast, shout out to Patagonia. <laughs> but I was talking to the legend Scotty at Secret Spot Surf Shop 
up in Scarborough. And I was like, man, you know what? It's so friendly here. It's, there's, there's just no ego. Literally everything I was just talking about five seconds ago on this podcast. But then today's guest, Simon Nicholson, who was already in the, the store, turned around and was like, I just said that 15 minutes ago to Scotty. And it was crazy because, you know, he's from South Africa. I'm from Oz. And here we are, both in Scarborough, of all places, sharing the exact same opinion about the beautiful people here. So it can't just be me. It's not a coincidence. You guys are amazing up here. And we began talking. And Simon's journey was something that resonated very deeply with me and my journey. Even though it was very different, it was still very the same. So I knew straight away, I think we're up to episode two at that point. I knew straight away that I was like, man, I need to get you on. Like, we need to tell your story because it's a beautiful one. So we've made it happen. So in today's episode, today's interview, today's legend, we have Simon Nicholson, who is an ex-professional surfer. So the first pro that we're getting on board, which I'm absolutely stoked about. Fingers crossed we get a few more. I would absolutely love to talk to Mick Fanning one day. He's one of my idols. I love Mick. So shout out to Mick Fanning. But without further ado, a quick word from me about our sponsor. And then let's get through to the chat with the legend from South Africa, Simon Nicholson. Before we have our guest on, we'll give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the absolute legends at Good Rays. Good Rays are a CBD product here in the UK, and their drinks have the highest dose of CBD that's readily available in the UK. Literally double that of the market leader. All of their gummies, drinks, and oils are designed to help with sleep, anxiety, and stress. I was already using Good Rays products before they got on board as our official first sponsor, and I couldn't be more stoked to represent them. So make sure you check them out at Good Rays on Instagram as well as in-store at Tesco, Weight Rose, and Amazon. It's always good days with good rays. You. So I had the absolute privilege of meeting my man Simon at Secret Spot Surf Shop um, in Scarborough. And, you know, listening to him talk, I thought straight away I had to get him on the show. We connected over one phrase that I went in there saying was, it's amazing how the surf culture in the UK has no ego. And Simon was yeah. like, I just said that 20 minutes ago. So without further ado, here's my dude, Simon. How are you, brother? Yeah, very good. Thanks very much for having me. Nice. My pleasure, man. I think uh, we'd only dropped three episodes, maybe two, when we had spoken. And now this is going to be episode 10. So thank you for being a part of it. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, bro. Um, But yeah, like... The reason I connected with you so well in the story is like, you know, we both have a bit of a, a, a kind of similar journey, but very different at the same time. So tell yeah. everyone a bit about yourself. Um, well, I mean, I think the reason why we connected that day, you walked into the surf shop and I actually mistook your your accent for uh, your New Zealand accent for a <laughs> um, South African one. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually Australian, so, bro. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, still haven't got it right, have I? Um, it's because I, I grew up with Samoans, so there's a bit of a tinge sometimes. That was it. That, that's what you explained to me. I remember now. Um, yeah. And there's definitely a bit of uh, a, tw a twang to it that um, I, I mistook for South African. And um, I think 
it's a natural thing for most South Africans when you move, or maybe maybe everyone when you move country, um, you look for people that you know and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, very quick overview. Um, grew up in Durban, South Africa. Um, traveled a bunch through my teen years and early twenties um, as a professional surfer, and then. Um, retired sort of mid-20s and then um, yeah immigrated across to the UK now in my early 40s um, just looking for a sort of more of a prosperous life for my kids and myself and um, yeah very happy very settled here in the in North Devon and um, thoroughly enjoying the the waves which was a big surprise. That, that, that shocked me too like I didn't realize there is such a surf culture in the UK yeah you know we, we both come as a yeah i kind ahead. of think of it as a bit of a, a well-kept secret i don't think mm. it's something that uh, many people understand i definitely didn't and i'd visited here once or twice in my competing days but i was obviously arriving in the middle of summer um the surf was generally pretty bad you know that's the worst time of the year to come here and you know, those were my expectations when I came over. But I think it's quite a well-kept secret. I don't think they go and, you know, talk about it too much because, you know, there's no need. And, and I don't think anyone would believe them anyway. It's not like anybody's <laughs> coming on a surf trip to England. So I think it's fantastic. Uh, absolutely. And like, obviously for both of us, it's a pleasure shock. We come from countries where, you know, both of us, the, the surfing parts of the world, like, South Africa has amazing surf, and obviously Australia does as well. Yeah, but the the yeah, most South refreshing. Africa, I mean, yeah. Carry on, yeah. <laughs> the most refreshing part for me was like, I think like coming from places where surf is expected. I feel like there's an ego involved with it, and then coming here, everyone's just having fun. They're very welcoming. It was different. Yeah, I definitely picked that up. I mean. You know, I've grown up in some pretty localized spots. I mean, Surf Jeffreys Bay a lot in my life. There's definitely a lot of tension there. They deal with a lot of um, a lot of tourists into that area. So, you know, understandably, there's a bit of tension in the water. Um, some of the spots around my hometown of Durban were quite heavily localized, which is probably unnecessary uh, to the level that it is. Um, because I think they've just gotten used to surfing with such few numbers of people that, you know, if one or two extra guys show up on a, on a good day, um, things tend to get a bit tense, but, um, yeah, within the first week of, of moving here, you know, I was being shown the lineups by the locals and, you know, they had no idea who I was or, you know, what my story was, but they were quite happy to, you know, fill me in on the scene and, within weeks and you know a couple of weeks we were being invited to barbecues in the surf community and it was it was a very special thing because it made us feel at home and um i'm eternally grateful for that yeah absolutely and i'm, I'm pretty sure there was something you said in the shop too about the surf community and something that i'd like to talk about again was it's it's so unique like you said you're getting invited to barbecues within a couple of weeks and it's like you know, it wouldn't be abnormal for those people to even say, come down, bro, crash on the couch, man. We're going to hit some waves yeah. in the morning. It's true. It's true. I, on my days in, on tour, um, you know, I was a young South African guy. didn't have too much money. Um, so, you know, money was scarce. And uh, I remember arriving in Santa Cruz one time 
and you know looking for accommodation found a cheap hotel but my money ran out pretty quick and we ended up crashing on a guy's couch for about a month and he he ended up driving us up the coast and and putting us up at a friend's house in in Huntington um and that actually those those guys became lifelong friends and that that is that has to be a unique thing i mean it it feels it feels very uh very much like a family and yeah. um you know i i i very very grateful for that because i think that um ma making this move over here would have been a lot harder without the surf scene yeah absolutely even for me like you know i'm i'm i wouldn't consider myself a surfer because i just never got the consistency back in australia but i am a yeah. massive surf fan like yeah fo follow wsl like i wear all the gear i get in the water when i can but yeah even then I feel like I'm still a part of the community and I've, I've met amazing people over here. Yeah. Get me on a snowboard, but I'm flying. Like <laughs> it's very different, <laughs> but it's just, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of and, you know, to witness as well. Um, but um, what we were saying in the shop was just, just how, how welcoming the people are around here and what you said a second ago about the tourism in j-bay and stuff like that johannesburg um sorry jeffries um yeah. do, you, do you think that the lack of surf tourism here is the reason why it's so welcoming could be i'm not sure i i think um i have you know pondered it a bit since we've arrived you know and tried to figure out what the difference is um i think that not having to deal with large influxes of of tourists to your local break is a big deal i also think it's it's really crowded here the surf is quite busy um or at least a lot of the spots on the southwest coast um and so their tolerance is pretty high for you know um a lot of people in the water i definitely think that there's certain places around you know around the world where they're not used to having more than a handful of people in the water at any time and that that definitely escalates quickly when people show up, especially if if they're from out of town. Um, but I think in general, you know, if you if you show up at a spot and you don't show up with too many people and you show up with you know your cap in, in your hand and you're a little bit respectful, you know, sit on the outskirts and take waves off the edge and not you know don't try and dominate the peak. I think uh, in most places around the world you won't have too much of a problem. Um, but I think there are a couple where you, you know, guys have taken it too far. Um, it's just a very sort of rudimentary form of tribalism that we probably, you know, have a little too much of in in, uh, in, in surfing. I think it sometimes skews the incredible sort of family that the surfing community is, you know. Um, it's definitely the ugly side of that. And, yeah, hopefully people get to experience a bit more of the positive side. Yeah, because it, it is funny. It's like, it's a complete yin and yang. It's very, it's very the one way, very welcoming, very family, very just everyone come, have a good time. You know, if in the words of Hawaiian is just aloha everywhere, but and then there's the other side where it's like, fuck yeah. you, get out of my break. Like, I will break your board <laughs> if you don't piss off. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what where that why that skews so badly and when it happens, but um yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shame it's a quite embarrassing too i mean i've been teaching my girlfriend how to surf and um i've 
explained to her, you know, localism, and I've she's seen a bit of it, I guess, in in one or two spots, but yeah, to her, it's it's ridiculous, you know, coming as an outsider and seeing people fight over waves, it just seems so stupid. Um, and it is if you think about it in a lot of ways, because it's not like there's ever going to be any less waves. It's not like it's yeah. it's a scarce resource. Um, but there is definitely. I mean, I know I've been I've been riled up before when someone's paddled out at my local break and you know misbehaved or not you know not shown me any respect or. Um, so I'm definitely guilty of it as well. Um, it's a very sort of primal thing, I guess. You just kind of go back to caveman status and start acting like a monkey. <laughs> well, it's 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 all about that. It's about respect. You know, you give it and get it. Like, that's what it takes. If you go yeah. to anywhere in the world, no matter what place, water or not, in the water or not, you have to have respect. Yeah. And if you go around definitely. acting like a monkey, you should expect a, a primal response. You know what I mean? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I think it goes both ways for sure. It's interesting though up here because I haven't been down south yet. I've only um, stuck to the north, and I haven't experienced any of that up here. I don't. There's not as many people in the water, so there's a less of I a surf community. I've experienced any of it in England. I haven't experienced it once. That's crazy. It, it, it's quite yeah. That it and that is very unique. Um, I think uh, I think maybe I haven't surfed some of the more sort of secret spots, and uh, maybe uh, you know that'll take me a few more years to integrate myself into those places um but yeah pretty um pretty surprised at the fact that it's been so welcoming at just about every break that i've gone to one thing i love too is everyone's riding foamies over here they love it <laughs> yeah i think i think that's a that's something that's really cool that's happened and uh, to the surfing community um in uh, you know at large around the world i think um you know when i grew up we grew up in the sort of Kelly Slater flip tip, really high performance shortboard um, sort of genre of surfing. And it was really uncool to ride anything other than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I remember, you know, being very sort of dismissive of any sort of alternative craft. And I surfed in J Bay just before I came over to England. And I had a, a sort of a moment, I had like an epiphany where I was sitting out there and I watched you know, 10 groms paddle out, a bunch of friends, a couple of them were on longboards, some of them were on shortboards, some of them were on fishes, two of them were on foamies, and they all swapped and traded boards throughout the course of two hours. And it, they were having so much fun. They were totally unaware of any sort of, you know, status or um, any issues with the fact of what they were riding. They were literally just trying different things and having a good time. And I think that's fantastic. I think I think we've got Jamie Jamie O'Brien to, to thank for that with his hundred uh, percent yeah his YouTube <laughs> clips with um and how he's approached everything from such a fun angle I think that's all all thanks to him absolutely and I'm like I'm a big Job fan his stickers are all over my laptop I'm wearing a Stay Psych merch right now like there we go <laughs> I, I've been watching him ride that that um like the seven foot foam board in pipe and it's just like what. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that, he's, that, he's, he's, he started in a day in a day where people were like you know walk down the beach in the foam and we're like what a kook like you just yeah. get out of the way get out of my way that that logs is too big like yeah and I, yeah I, I i agree he he's definitely uh 
you know, for lack of a better word, pioneer in the soft top game because now everyone's doing it. Yeah, I think he just he just took a little ego out of it, you know. He just put a little mm. bit more fun back into it, um, and I think it was a great thing for surfing. I think we could definitely do with a little bit more of that, guys. You know, not feeling too self conscious about what they're riding, as long as it's you know, as long as they're having a good time. Absolutely, and it's a dream. I hope I get him on the episode, podcast one day. That'd be a dream. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, the a bit about. You know, the similarities in our journey over here too. I'm, I'm not sure if you want to talk about it or not, but um, we connected over. I had a loss uh, a few years ago, which, you know, propelled all this momentum in my life. And you shared with me another story um, that you've had as well. Do you, you want to share those? Because it's a bit about mental yeah. health and stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, when I was sort of, um, when I was on tour, I'd, I'd gotten engaged to, um my girlfriend at the time um and we i actually retired because i decided that i wanted to have kids and i wanted to sort of stay stay at home i was traveling nine ten months of the year and uh, i decided that was you know that was i was tired of it and it was time for me to settle down um and um yeah we had two we got married we had two kids and very shortly after our second child was born um she was um diagnosed with brain cancer um which was an absolute shock it came out of nowhere there was no symptoms leading up to it that sort of um you know gave us any indication that she was ill um she just suddenly had a massive seizure one day on the beach which um sort of alerted us to the fact that something was wrong and um yeah within a week the doctors had told us that she had 12 months to live and they were pretty spot on. I think it last, she lasted another 13 months after that and passed away. And I think that's, we were talking about sort of cancer and how rough it is around this world and how everyone seems to have a story that, that links back to it, which is, is a terrible thing, but definitely gives you an opportunity to look at, you know, your life sort of from a zoomed out perspective. If you are, if you come close to it like that, um, for me, what it really did was it, it really clarified how short and how, you know, um, you know, fragile life is. And, uh, you know, I think that you can choose to use that in whatever way you want. Um, I, I very luckily decided to sort of seize the day and make the most of every single day that I've got left. It's probably one of the reasons why we're over in the UK. Um, I wanted to explore the world for the rest of my life. I didn't want to sit at home and uh, I wanted my kids to be, you know, raised in a first world education and uh, get access to traveling to places like London and, you know, the rest of Europe and experience culture and all of that sort of stuff. And I don't know, you know, if that hadn't happened to me, I can pretty say pretty confidently that I definitely wouldn't be over here. It, it's a. It, I love how you said like it gives you a chance to zoom out and you know find um, a different perspective. You know, like yeah. I haven't personally been um, impacted by cancer itself. Like my mother-in-law, absolutely beautiful human being, she uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer not very long ago, um, and straight away double mastectomy, cut it off. And it was very lucky because it was very close to her lip nodes when they did operate. Um, yeah. She just made the decision as soon as it came through to 
you know, get the operation and, you know, uh, couldn't thank whatever intervention happened enough, but she decided to get it all done and sorted, which I'm very grateful for. My loss came from uh, my best mate took his own life and, but it was yes. still loss. And it was in that grief. Like we shared the experience of man, life's too short. And eventually yeah. it brought me to the UK as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think there's so many, I think it's so easy to feel like a victim. Um, mm. It's so easy to, to get, because you, you have every right to when you go through something like that. You know, you've been through something shocking and terrible and um, nobody understands, you know, very few people can understand what you're feeling. You know, everybody's situation is unique and different and you have every right to collapse and feel, you know, like it's the end of the world. But I think it's those moments where you have a choice and it's so important that you find perspective in that moment because if you are able to find some sort of perspective that lets you live properly or live to the fullest, I think those moments can be like springboards to a, a far better life, far more understanding sort of uh, place in your life where you can be much more supportive to other people. Um, I think it's it's yeah it's a very difficult thing to say you, you know you, everybody's different um I was just very grateful that I was able to you know see things from that point of view exactly but it's beautiful that you just said that people are entitled to feel how they are feeling about it but yeah, you know absolutely it's, it's okay to collapse it's okay but also try to use it try it like it, it fueled me it's fueled yourself like it can fuel yeah thousands of other people millions of other people and you know we're still here like let's yeah. let's do them proud kind of thing yeah we'll we'll be there soon <laughs> yeah well, i'll see you soon <laughs> no matter how hard we kick and scream to not go there we will be there eventually so you might as well make the most of what you've got um i think also just to pay homage to my late wife one of the things that she sort of was probably one of the reasons why i was able to be um strong was that through the her sort of 12 months 13 months that she was alive she never once felt sorry for herself That's and she was extremely brave leading up to her death and it just felt a little bit like a cop-out for me to you know lie in bed and feel sorry for myself after she had passed away because if she didn't do that and she was the one you know knowing that she was you know leaving um I really had no right to lie around and feel sorry for myself, especially with the privilege of getting to raise our two kids. Um, so that was the sort of attitude that I took towards it. You know, like you've been given this this extra time and uh, don't waste it. Absolutely. And, you know, um, it might not be my place to say it, but I'll say it anyway. I can imagine your late wife would be super proud because, man, I barely knew you and I'm proud. That's amazing. <laughs> thanks appreciate it that's okay so um tell me a little bit more about your time on tour man that's like i love it um yeah I, when i was sort of 16 years old i got chosen for the south african team to go over to to uh, bali which is my first taste of international competition um at that first event I was in the under-16 division and I came up against the likes of Dean Morrison, Joel Parkinson, um, and a couple others, um, the Ono brothers from Japan and uh, Zane Harrison. 
Zane Harrison actually ended up winning the event. Um, Joel Parker and, and myself went through about 10 repertoire rounds together. We kind of formed a bit of a friendship at that point. <laughs> um, uh, and Dean Morrison as well, a really good guy. He had such a sick style when he was a Grom. I just remember like thinking like he, he was, he looked like a young Slater. Um, and we were just the South African kids. We were just in awe of how good they were. I mean, Joel was probably the, from that day, I was in love with his style. Um, I actually named my kid Joel because I loved. Oh, that's so sick! <laughs> um, and and then um, yeah, we fast forward a few years. You know, there were quite a few international competitions that we kept meeting up at and whatnot. Um, and my first year on the QS was the same first year with Joel. And at our first event, which was Santa Cruz over in, um, it wasn't my first QS event, but. It my first full year on tour, uh, Parker won the event at Santa Cruz and I got second. So that was a quite a big uh, highlight for me. Obviously, you know, my first QS final and uh, it was at Steamer Lane, which was epic. Um, and just to be in the final with Parker obviously was rad and I got to, to take out some of my heroes on the way to the final. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, that year was a fantastic year for me. I think it came a little too easy that year. Um, that was the year 2000. Um, I beat Aki at the at the US Open, which was a big milestone for me. Um, and then um, ended up winning the US Pro Tour that year. Um, and then um, that was kind of the end of it, though, because I fell just short of qualifying at the end of that year. And um, it really affected me mentally. Um, I really struggled the following year. I think I had like 16 first round losses in a row. Um, I had a really good seeding, so I should have been doing well. I should have seeded right through to the final rounds. In the in the QS back then, there was, you could you know, you could have served through 10 rounds before you reached the money. Um, and I was seeded right through into the money at that point and, you know, a couple, couple heats away from the final. And I just had a shocking run. Um, everything just felt like it was going backwards. Um, I managed to sort of re rekindle a bit of form the following year, and I was sitting probably around 15th in the world, and I tore the ligaments in my ankle, um, which put me out for six months, and it was from coming back from that was very difficult. I didn't find sort of any any good form. My head was in you know quite a quite a bad space. I was spending a lot of time away from home, um, and that was sort of where I started to lose motivation. Um, and I think I stuck it out for like another two years, but my heart wasn't really in it. So I pulled the plug at the age of 24, which looking back now, it just seems ridiculously long, young to be quitting the tour. Um, um, yeah, I definitely have a few regrets. I think I, I, I could have um, done with maybe a year or two off and gone back and, and given it another slog. Um, I got to watch my best mates though, absolutely tear it apart uh davy Weir, um him and i were very close traveled together he went on to make the wct a couple of years in a row and beat machado in the final at um at trestles one year which was fantastic to watch um and then travis logie who also you know very close friend of mine and um he went i think he spent over 10 years on tour and um Probably the highlight for me was watching him at um, at Chopes that massive year when they had that huge swell. Just watching him, he needed a semi final to requalify, and I think he he got semis 
in some of the heaviest waves that they've ever served the trophy, which was really cool to watch. Um, and then obviously all the other South African guys who we travelled with, we were all, you know, I had, I had the utmost respect for them, Royden Bryson and uh, Ricky Basnett and um, you know, Greg Emsley and Paul Canning were sort of mentors to us. So, yeah, I was very lucky to grow up at the time that I did uh, um, and really privileged to get to, to um, I've got this cool story about when I learned how to surf. Um, yeah, which I think this 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 is my sort of the favorite way my favorite way to think of my my time on tour, um, or at least my career in surfing. But when I was nine years old, a friend of mine bought a videotape VHS videotape. I'm just giving away my age <laughs> here, um, of the movie North Shore. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the movie North Shore. Um, he brought this videotape over. It's a Hollywood movie, but it's got a few like cameo roles of like what who the world's best were back then. And it was um, in the movies, uh, Aki and um, yeah, Robbie Page and um, who else is in there? Sean Thompson's in there and uh, Jerry Lopez is obviously, you know, the, the heavy head, head of the Huey um, Vince. And that was the first time I ever watched a surf movie. Um, it was on my ninth birthday and I watched that movie and the next day I started surfing. <laughs> and... 10 years later, I was staying at Jerry Lopez's house on the North Shore, sitting and having, break, having breakfast <clears> with him. And I'd surfed against Aki that year and I'd beaten him. And uh, Sean Thompson was like, you know, had, you know, I did multiple encounters with him and he had helped me through one or two heats. And it was just, it was such a surreal journey. When I, when I look back at it now and I think like, you know, that was this kid sitting on the couch watching this movie that was a Hollywood movie. And 10 years later, I was suddenly, you know, in that, um, I, that feels very special. That feels like a victory to me. I think, uh, I was very privileged to get to experience all of that at such a young age. And, uh, yeah, it's an awesome, it's an awesome thing to think about. Yeah. That's, that's, you gave me goosebumps, man. That's, that's phenomenal. It <laughs> reminds me of, you know, last episode I had Matt from birdies of the Bay, uh, it's a clothing brand up here on the north, and he 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 makes um, old style fishing guernseys or guernseys. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he when he was uh, studying, he used to go to London and had to do an assignment. He would always go to this one place and check out this one lots of garments and yeah, this specific person that made those garments. He like idolized this person, and then fast forward all these years on, he's chased his dreams, and now he's opened his stock shop, and then one day. This fellow that he idolizes just walked into the shop and said, I heard you've been doing some cool things. I'm here to check it out. And to me, that just reminds me of you saying, man, you're watching Jerry you see the universe. It's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think the universe works in mysterious ways like that. Exactly. And you know what? You just gotta follow your dreams. You have to take the risks. Yeah, I think I was listening to a podcast on the on my drive today been on about a six hour drive today and um it was with marcus andreessen um who's a very famous sort of investor and he was just saying if you if you want something bad enough the the universe will organize itself to give you what you want far quicker than you'll ever expect and i thought that was quite cool to hear him say something like that because it's like a hardcore investor guy you know um and you know, not not a motivational speaker. We usually hear that sort of stuff from 
Um, and I think it's true. I think if you want something bad enough and you look for the opportunities, they will reveal themselves pretty quickly. Absolutely. So in that respect, what are you chasing now? What's what's the dream? What are you up to? Um, well, I've bought a surf brand over to the UK from South Africa. Um, we are a global company. We've sort of rolled out around the world. Um, and um, yeah, we. so my, my current financial sort of mission is, is building this business out in the UK. Um, we've been sort of rolling it out uh, steadily for the last two years. Um, it's going really, really well. We arrived during lockdown, which was challenging, but such a fantastic time for the surf, surf industry um, because no one could leave the country and stock was in short supply. So sales were just going through the roof and everyone was at the beach. So that was a great time uh, to, to arrive here and it really got the business going quite quickly. Um, thoroughly enjoying that. It's just me and my um, girlfriend running the business at the moment, which is really nice. We get to go to work every day together. And, That's cool. Uh, I get to boss her around at least once a day, <laughs> which is usually the other way around. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, we, um, we, uh, we're just trying to find a sort of balance, you know, um, I think in South Africa, when we were living there, there was definitely a pace and a, a, fr a frenzy of life there to sort of survive um, financially. It's, it's a hard place to survive financially. The cost of living is fairly high. Um, your opportunities are very slim. Um, it's an emerging economy and it's under a lot of pressure at the moment with sort of government corruption and infrastructure sort of collapse. Um, so there was a sort of pace of life that was quite taxing and we didn't realize until we moved here. You know, you move into a small sort of North Devon town and you realize that you know the butcher closes at 3 p.m every day because he yes. like and he doesn't open on weekends <laughs> and you know coffee shops open on a wednesday and a saturday and a sunday you know it's like it's just people work they don't work because they have to work they work because they want to work and mm. it was quite a hard thing to get used to um you know i'm used to people replying to my emails within five minutes not you know two weeks yeah. um you know the the surf industry is very laid back and it's made up of a lot of people who are, you know, really doing what they want to do on a daily basis. And it's been fantastic to sort of slowly integrate into that. Um, you know, we've got a lot of family around us, um, especially from my girlfriend's side, which has been fantastic to, to connect with them and, um, you know, watch our kids, you know, slide into this, this, this lifestyle now, which has been awesome. Um, they've, they've really taken to it. They've got some really good friends and, you know, my kids catch the bus wherever they want to go. They, um, you know, they work down at the beach and those are things that just would never have happened in South Africa. So very grateful for those two. And what's, um, what, what is the, what is the surf brand? What do you got going? It's called Ride, um, R-Y-D, uh, Ride brand. And yeah, we basically are a, a hard goods accessories company. We make leashes, traction, fins um primarily and we do a fantastic range of softboards which has really been sort of taken on uh well from uh from the uk side of things um we do skateboards mainly the cruisers and sort of surf skates um 
got a odd, you know, sprinkling of of other things like sups and that sort of stuff. But our core focus is around traction, uh, fins and leashes, and uh, you know, the hardwood accessories, board bags, that sort of stuff. Um, it's the the company was founded by an absolute product guru, uh, accessories guru. He's a he's a bit of a nerd. I think I'd actually pre I'd prefer to call him a, an accessories nerd because he <laughs> obsesses over the details. Um, and he's taught me, I mean, I've had a, you know, 40, 30 years in, in the surf industry and uh, I was a professional surfer for, you know, 10 of those. And he's taught me so much about fins, about traction and, and you know, stuff that I thought I knew, but I actually had no idea. That's the kind of level of passion he has for it. So it's quite nice because that easily translates into sales. When I show people the product, you know, they really sort of, they get it. And um, they're always surprised by the level of detail. And it's, you know, it's obviously, it's a very, very powerful product. The design element of it is really good, I thought. Um, you know, they've done a really clever job with that. And it's also, it's got a really cool story. Their whole angle is around um, growing the sort of stoke of surfing and the, and the inclusion of surfing. Um, that's why our Learn to Surf range is so big. Um, we're really all about sort of, you know, young girls and, um youngsters getting into the sport um you know people who are adults and have never surfed in their life before you know that it's, it's very much about getting them on board and just growing the sport and helping people experience what we've what you know all the benefits that we've experienced from being in the water that's beautiful man well before i let you go because i've had a beautiful chat with you and we're, we're running out a little bit of time i know you're busy i've got a few things on What's one piece of advice, having everything we spoke about, chasing dreams, surfing, dealing with grief, you know, everything, what's something you could say to people that would, you you would give advice from everything you've learned? He's put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, I think the overarching one for me is don't take things for granted. Um, mm. I think that, you know, especially time time is your most valuable asset um one of the after my wife passed away one of the most important things that i restructured my life around was time and i, I was like how am i going to spend more time with the kids how am i going to do you know the things that i want to do as well as make money um and so i think that is something that you need to take into consideration at least that's the, what i'm doing um and then on top of that um yeah, perspective is an, an incredibly important thing, and you should always be searching for a new a new perspective on things that you feel very strongly about. Because I think that can often be the the make or break difference in your life. Absolutely, that's amazing, man. Well, thank you so much for the chat. I had a ball. I think we're. I reckon we can do another one of these in the future for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm up for it. No problem. All right, awesome. And I'll plug all the ride stuff. Remember that's R Y D. I'm sure you guys have Instagram and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll send all that stuff over to you. Done. I'll chuck that on the description for the YouTube and everything. Thank you for getting on, bro. It was an amazing chat. Uh, I'm awesome, gonna have to Jack. link up and get one of those boards from you too. I think. Anytime. Let me know. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Cool. Take care. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Thanks, brother. And there it is, Simon Nicholson. What a pleasure to have a chat with that man. And what an inspiration, you know. I, I, all the people I talk to is super inspiring. And it was so cool to see the correlation between his story about, you know, growing up watching Jerry Lopez and then being on his couch, but also 
the last episode, Maddie from Birdies of Bay, how he used to go into the, the city, London, and go to this specific specific store of a dude he idolized, and then him one day coming into Maddie's store. So it's cool to see people, you know, chasing their dreams and it coming around like that. It's so beautiful. It inspires me. So me shouting out Patagonia and McFanning is just my way of hopefully letting the universe know this is what I want. <laughs> hey, and if anyone's got connection to The Rock, aka Dwayne Johnson, shout me out. But what a pleasure it was to talk to such a legend. So make sure you go check him out. I'll be tagging him on Instagram for our Instagram post. So check out my Instagram, Bordies and Beanies, uh, B-O-A-R-D-I-E-S-N, Beanies, B-E-A-N-I-E-S. Simon will be tagged so you can suss him out. And yeah, go from there. I know I'm going to be hitting him up and getting myself one of the ride uh, boards. I can't wait. So thank you, Simon. Now, as we head towards the end of the podcast, you know, this is where I talk about the last fortnight and everything I did while getting lost in living. And man, this fortnight was actually a busy one. I had the bro-in-law down. Shout out to Spud. You know, if you want to learn anything about history, he's your guy. Like, he taught me so much, man. It was a pleasure to learn everything from him while not only watching Band of Brothers, which is a crazy, crazy series on uh, Amazon Prime, I believe. It's about World War II, and it follows the journey of the 101st Airborne Division, the uh, American part of their army or their, their, their armed forces, I guess. But that show right there alone taught me a lot. It's based on true events, so definitely check that out. I couldn't recommend that highly enough. And if I could say one thing about the bro Spud is that he don't miss. Not one thing he suggested was wrong. So when he wanted to go exploring, we went exploring. And I saw some amazing things. We hit up Review Abbey, which is down near Helmsley, a thousand-year-old building that monks uh, used to use as their place of worship and living and it was super self-sufficient like they had everything they didn't lack anything you know what blows me away is that like there's these structures these absolutely magnificent beautiful structures all around the world that are thousands of years old still intact today but we can't build a road that lasts more than five years (laughs) man they were smart back then and i wouldn't call myself by no means a historian I know a fair bit about um, Hawaiian culture and mythology, but as far as, you know, this part of the world, I'm very, very new to it. I know basics, but I was learning about Henry VIII, which I knew is a savage dude. All right, I get it. But what I didn't know was basically he was the head of the church. And when he tried to divorce his missus, that was when he left and started becoming this this savage started tearing down all the abbeys and just had a vendetta against the church because they wouldn't let him divorce. Obviously, it was against the religion. And, uh, man, (laughs) what a beast. So that's why the Review Abbey is in ruins because Henry VIII, he was was on his mission and he destroyed half of it. But a lot of it's still there. So if you're in the north, definitely check out Review Abbey. And then afterwards, go down to Helmsley, a beautiful little village, and have a feed. I had an amazing feed there. You know, all his food suggestions were fire too, so I'm not short of good food now. One thing I did miss about home was the food, but, you know, my, my boy's starting to fill that void. 
Another thing we explored again was York. So I've been to York a few times. I love it. It's a beautiful city. Old Viking city, or Roman city, all this, that, and the other. But we did a um, Viking tour. So it was like a, you know, it was like a ghost train. But not for ghosts. Not for scaring you. It took you through, um, on this track, it took you through a journey of what, the Vikings did in that area based on everything that's been found, like the archaeologists have found and dug up. So that was a super cool journey. And then you go past one of the robot um, Viking figures and she's basically been reconstructed from bones that they found. And I, I thought that was crazy. Oh, we also hit up Helms of Castle. I can't forget, man. That was so cool to, to go and witness. And we did the historical, sorry, the um, the guided tour. So you get a little microphone and you listen to everything that's about Helms the Castle. You know, learning about the defenses of the castle and the practicalities of it, like where the ovens were, where the storeroom was, where people slept. And some of, some of the structure is still there. It's, it's, it's mental. One thing I loved, which emphasizes the importance of archaeologists, was that in the Victorian era, the ground there was like a meter, two meters higher. So people were used to picnic there. There's parts of the castle still visible at that height. Um, there's a tower there and stuff. But people used to picnic there and play tennis and stuff. They didn't know what they were standing on until people, archaeologists came along and did a dig. And there's so much more to that castle than they understood during the Victorian era. So... That was cool. You know, that obviously, like I said, that emphasizes the importance of archaeologists. So shout out to all the archaeologists out there. Keep doing your thing. Keep digging, and keep educating us, because you know we can learn a lot from our past. But yeah, it was a great historical fortnight. You know, Helmsley Castle, like I said, uh, York again, Review Abbey. Just man, I'm so blessed, and to be able to learn a lot from the borough and a lot from everything else, man, I'm I'm so thankful. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you again to Simon for getting on the episode. It was an absolute pleasure. And I'm sure we'll have him on again because he sounds like he's got a lot more stories to tell. So thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you've had a blessed fortnight. I hope you have a blessed fortnight ahead. Don't forget to check out the blog. Check out the Instagram. I will be obviously posting about the blog at the end of the week. So head on over to the website, www.boardiesandbeanies.com. Check out both my Instagrams, uh, Bordies and Beanies is one of them. The other one, Lost in Living Life Coaching. And then we also have the YouTube, which will be posting the video version of this week's episode or just the interview next Monday. That's enough for me. Thank you for listening to another episode. I can't wait for next week's guest. We've got another special one on. I won't give too much away, but I'm going to enjoy sharing this one with you. So make sure you check that out next fortnight. Love you all. Thanks again. Beyond Blessed, episode 10. Thank you. Yeah.